Stranger Things series 2 took Netflix by storm over the Halloween season, but is this an 11 out of 10 or did it fail to turn our worlds upside down? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. Popscorn, the Final Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we're talking about Two Strange Two Things, otherwise known as Stranger Things Series 2, available now on Netflix to stream. We're not sponsored, I just wanted to make that pun. Welcome you, to our movie podcast, where we're going to talk about a TV show and internet streaming service. Yeah, definitely not the first time we've done this. I mean, we've done all of the Marvel Netflix shows. Yeah, we did! Um, I feel like we've done another series as well, one that wasn't Marvel, but... It, fa- it fails to come to mind. It's not important. Our movie review show also encompasses TV Yay. when it's when it's an event, I think. It is. Like, and this was definitely an event. Mm, definitely. Um, season one. In retrospect, I think I should have made it TV show of the year last year. Who did you make? I went with one? Game of Thrones season six. Yeah. And it was really good and it was tight. But on reflection... It was probably the most perfectly executed concept in years, maybe even decade in terms of a TV show. Um, I should have made it number one and was unbelievably hyped for season two. Um, I think I made Daredevil season two. You did? I think I did. You did? Because I called it the most perfect uh, superhero TV show, which... I mean, Punisher might prove me wrong. Oh, Michael, you don't even know about Punisher. Looking forward to that. It's so very good. Um... But no, I, I think I did get very hyped, but I think I was a little bit blind to a, a, an issue that season two of Stranger Things was going to be facing. In that season one worked so well because it had so many mysteries going on at any one time. True. And because it wasn't based on anything, we didn't know the answers until we saw them on the show. I think the problem that season two was ever going to face is all those mysteries are out of the bag now. Yeah. A lot of them. There's still things that we need to tie up. But I do think all the really interesting things got tied up in the first season. You mean, such as, what is the upside down? I mean, sorry, just to quickly address this. We didn't review Series 1 on the show, which no. I feel like is a wholly missed opportunity because that Because was... you missed the boat, Michael. I got it watched by the end of the, the year. I did, though, didn't I? You did. I got it watched but, by the end of the year. But, but... But I got this one scene in time, just about, so... <laughs> Just about. That's good. Came out on Halloween. I had to re-watch season it's one, December Darren. now. Don't <laughs> give me your business. Um, but no, it, it's still worth reviewing. And I want to pick it apart, but I will just go ballpark review here. Yep. It's not season one. But it's still Stranger Things. But it's still Stranger Things, and it still delivers most of the time. Yeah. I think, again, it was never going to be season one. There's maybe one or two sort of mediocre episodes, but certainly... One in particular. I think we might agree on that one. Uh, But but most of the time, it's delivering exactly what you want from sort of like a ramped up version of what we got. Because now we know a little bit more about the Upside Down thanks to the end of season one. That, like you say, the mystery is sort of taken away. Everything supernatural is coming from this alternate dimension as such. Mm -hmm. It's what is coming from that dimension is where... This series runs off with its own ideas and makes uh, Will Byers just the most traumatic kid 
possibly in TV history. The poor Byers family. It, his life sucks. Oh, like, everyone so bad. Sucks. No one's having a good time in this show. Uh, it's all going terribly wrong for them. And yeah, I, I think now Will was obviously missing for large parts of season one. Yep. So to transition him to being. One of the main characters, mm. I'd say. I think he has even more prominence in this series than um, than I can never remember their goddamn names. Um, the main guy, Finn Wolfhard. Mike. Mike. There we go. I think he surpasses Mike in terms of being the main kid character. They give um, Dustin and oh Lucas. Lucas. They give them a kind of side quest to get on with. That gives them some some stuff to do. But yeah. Yeah, Will is really the one of the main characters, and it's a really good performance from him, from the actor. Oh, sorry, you wanted me to come in on that one. Sorry, yes, I did. Oh, you should have, you should have definitely I should told have me. warned. Yeah, you should have warned me. So, Will Byers is played because yeah, because we definitely should uh, credit all the kid characters, but mostly Noah Schnapp as as Will Byers. Um, and also, I think just just let's just throw it out there that Millie Bobby Brown is still excellent as L as well or Eleven. Yes, because. She gets her own, like you say, subplot, oh, side quest in the series. Yeah, but even throughout what we might think about that, I think you've got to admit that she's still the heart of the show. She's still good. And I'm not saying that it's that Mike is turning a bad performance. Finn Wolfhard is not turning a bad performance. It's still really good. He's still great. As I is, love Finn Wolfhard. Um, Gaten Matarazzo. Gaten Matarazzo, yeah. Woo! As Dustin still probably... He's, okay, admittedly, he's my second favourite character. We'll get to my favourite in a minute. But uh, really good comic is. turns. Possibly even funnier than, than he was in the first season. I've definitely enjoyed Dustin more this season. I think uh, they've given that character a bit more involvement in a specific part of the mythology. Yeah. And they've really played him off against a number of different good characters this season as well. Yeah. They've all improved. Um, yeah, ev- everyone's still really frigging great. Yeah, Lucas. I think they put better, particularly Lucas. I yeah. think he was the weak link of the first movie. Yeah, Kayla McLaughlin, who plays Lucas, they've definitely given him far more involvement other than reacting to everything. Yeah. He has his own drive and purpose, and it's nice to have solo scenes with just him or with just him and yeah. one of the new characters. Super good, actually. Like All four of the main kids, like from minute dot when they show up as the Ghostbusters on, on Halloween, like... That's a perfect little scene between those friends. That's really, really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, it really is. Especially when they argue over who gets who to gets be... to be Venkman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's funny. Um, no, he. I think he's come the furthest along as an actor because I don't think he was like I said. He was definitely the weaker link as an actor of season one. I think they've all up their game. There's no real weak performances from any of the main cast across the board. Um, Natalie Dyer as Nancy Wheeler has less to do, I think, in this one. Yeah. I think she she's the one that has the kind of the weaker subplot of everybody that's going on. It's kind of wishy washy that she's trying to avenge Barb. That feels more like the fans have demanded that more so than they wanted to really talk about Barb anymore. Definitely, yeah, I definitely felt that. I didn't feel like Natalie Dyer has really improved from series one. Still good, still pumping out a decent like performance, but her story doesn't really go anywhere, and it's very clear the writers wanted to focus on different characters. Yeah. You're not particularly over, like, overjoyed when you're like, oh, it's time for an extended Nancy scene. Yeah. Fantastic. In season one, that was actually somewhat interesting because they yeah. were discovering the Upside Down at a different pace to everybody else. Like, she actually went She's in. a badass. In season one, yeah. yeah. Season two, she's just kind of a mess. But this is what I mean. I watched season two, basically when it came out of the Halloween weekend. We're recording this in December, and I can't really remember anything other than the really broad strokes about her and um, Jonathan Byers' um, 
storyline. Yeah, that's uh, Charlie Heaton playing Jonathan Byers, who's going to be in the New Mutants. So might not be in season three of Stranger Things, though. I'll mm. see to that. Um, yeah, they, they're basically it feels more like fan fiction from them. Not to be too harsh on it, but again, a lot of focus on Barb and then kind of shipping them two together. Yeah. Um, and it comes via the medium of my least favourite new character, the fucking out of left field nowhere conspiracy nut guy. Yeah, not a fan. Um, he, he, I think he does okay, the actor himself. That's uh, Brett Gelman playing Murray, who, again, yeah, I'm not a fan of that character either. It kind of feels like, oh, no, we forgot to give a subplot to, to the main characters from last season, so we've decided to go this route. And I really think, like, especially considering the climax of the first series, and now we get more of the the experimental lab actually trying to work with the town as opposed to trying to hide secrets from it, it definitely feels... A little bit tacked on. I mean, yeah. come the end of the of the this series and the reveal happens, which isn't anywhere near as good as the reveal from season one. But when oh, it happens, no. it's just kind of like, okay, so that was what exactly what this character was for. And I didn't really like the performance. And I didn't like the, I don't know, the hermit approach just felt a bit, a bit much for this character. I kind of felt like he could have been a conspiracy nut whilst not eating only cereal in his underwear. Yeah, he was sitting on a lawn chair, like you know. He was very going for every stereotype you can imagine for a conspiracy nut. Yeah, and he just didn't suit the show weirdly. A character like this existing in this universe, fine, but it just felt it felt very tacked on. Mm. Um, Again, busy work for the two two main characters that people liked, but didn't really have a natural place to fit. In line with the rest of the show. Uh, we haven't talked about our two main leads yet. Our two adult leads yet. Yeah. Being uh, Ronaldo Ryder as Joyce and David Harbour as Jim. David Harbour as Jim Hopper, the man who can punch anything. Doesn't really punch a lot in this season. No, first season was solving all his problems by punching. I love This that. one is more just shouting at children. Yeah. <laughs> kind of borderline child abuse, which is a bit weird. But I still love him. I still love uh, Harper. I think he's a great character. Yeah, they... Again, he pulls a lot of the storyline through his actions of him investigating and being brave and being the one on the front line at all times. Um, he's still very easy to get behind. It's obvious now why he's kind of taking off in his career. Um, but I think he's probably the best actor in this show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say so. He's able to be both warm and kind to Eleven early on and and the kids, but then also flipping the switch when he needs to to be quite angry and scary and... And being a flawed human being who's yeah. trying to get better. That's definitely. always good grounds for a um, character anyway. Yeah, definitely he's the best in terms of range. Easily. Yeah. Like, like the, the best acting prowess. Because like, like I said, up against Winona Ryder as, as Joyce Byers, who gets a little bit more to do in this season. She does, but I feel like she's kind of wound herself back in a little bit. She's not as hysterical as she was in the first season. No, she's season. not. But she's a bit more hands-on. But you, start, you saw that a little bit at the end of season one, where she was helping Eleven do her psychic channeling to try and find Will, where Will was on the upside down. And I thought, okay, so we're going to go more with the supportive mom who is also a badass trope. And yeah. we really, really didn't. No. I kind of feel like that was dialed down to give other characters a bit more to do in the plot, which kind of feels unnecessary. Like, we know she's capable, so why not let her do it? It only really comes to a fruition in the final two episodes of this series. Yeah. Which is great, and it's good to see what she's doing, but then she doesn't this is going to sound weird, but she doesn't do it alone. And I kind of feel like it would be more impactful if 
the conclusion of this story with Will yeah. was just just Joyce. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. No. Now, thankfully, she's teamed up with, I think, everyone's new favourite character um, for this series, being yeah. Sean Astin as Bob. Bob. Who's so good. <laughs> you forget how good Sean Astin is. So just He's just a beautiful soul. He really is. I miss <laughs> him so much. He should be more things. Because he's so instantly lovable as the kind of... Well, this thing, yes, he's a nerd. He's what was thought of in the 80s as a nerd, as someone who knows what a computer is. Yeah, someone who knows what maps look like. But he's never a coward. He's always the smartest guy in the room, but he's not, like, show-offy about it. He just is. Mm. And he has, like, a genuine, like, gusto for things. So when things start turning to shit, he's not a coward and, like, panicking what to do. He's like, right, um, what do you need me to do? Point me at something so I can go and fix it. Oh, so good. He's seen uh, when he's on the radio to the security guard in the third to last episode. Oh! Oh, it's great. Oh, but that's hard. But, but that, like, shows every single aspect of what's good about that character. Like you said, yes. it, the bravery's there, the innocence is there. I think all three of the big characters they've added for this season, um, the other two being uh, Max, aka Mad Max, played by uh, Sadie Sink, um, who is like the new girl in the class that obviously they all latch onto straight away. Other than Mike, who's still obviously thinking about Eleven, they all kind of gravitate towards her. She's the focus of Dustin and um, Lucas. Lucas for this season, trying to get her on side in a, in a multitude of ways, trying to pull them over as only 12-year-olds in the 80s knew how to do. Um, she's really good. Again, adding another kid actor to this mix could have could have thrown things up, but I think she does well. Judging by your facial expression, you're about to disagree with me. I'm not entirely disagreeing with you, because I think the calibre of the child actors in this show is great which is what makes Sadie Sink stand out because she's not as great as her co-stars. Certainly not as good as Dustin. I think Dustin's been the absolute star when it comes to uh, the, the child actors this time round. Second only maybe to, to Elle, who's just completely outstanding. She's fine. She's absolutely fine. And I think she puts in a pretty damn good child actor performance, but nowhere near the realms of our original four right now. Well, no, but they've had they have more to play with. Whereas she's really going... She's a much more grounded character than anybody else. Just because the kind of horrors of her life stem from her home and her stepbrother played by... I always butcher this. Dacon Montgomery. Him, uh, the Red Power Ranger, playing um, Billy, um, who's kind of like every jock bully in every 80s movie brought to life with a fucking glorious head of hair. It's the most perfect mullet. Oh, God, it's fucking glorious. I mean... (laughs) And even then, it's not the best hairstyle on this show. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Also, isn't his car the Interceptor? Isn't it an Interceptor? Is that the point of why she's called Mad Max? Is that Have I, have I missed something there? You might be onto something there. I hadn't have thought of that. Maybe you've figured it out, Michael. I think that's what it is. Well done. Or maybe just her name was Max and it was easy. Yeah. But you've probably also right. Mad Max was also out of that time. He, again, originally I thought it was... Um, not changing. You thought it was Zac Efron. That's it. I thought it was Zac Efron for a split second. Um, He's really good. Like, he plays Dribbled Teen very, very well. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him this year do the same in Power Rangers, which we liked, but nobody else did. No. He flipped the switch, though. In that one, he was a well-meaning jock. In this one, he's just straight-up evil. Yeah. Probably the most evil human character on the show. So, mm, I mean, Kate, the the dad from uh, the... What's the dad? 
No, the, the the one that L calls Papa. Okay, but I mean, he's not really around this season. You mean from Hawkins or in Hawkins? Yeah, from in Hawkins in season two, your 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 human bad guy is Billy. And yeah, because you know he straight up hates Lucas, which is mildly uncomfortable. Yeah, not lie. yeah, it is. But then again, I suppose that's a sign of a good performance. He did make us feel really uncomfortable in anything surrounding yeah. the whole. Lucas, Dustin, Max, Triangle. But it's not straightforward, because you know, then they show his relationship with his dad and how he, his problems won't stem from his relationship with his dad. That's true. And how he bounces that onto Max. It's a very well-laid performance, and somewhere I'm excited to see where it goes uh, in season three. If indeed it um, does. Because, I mean, the, the, the one you'd expect to be evil, so someone from the kind of shadowy organisation that birthed Elle and birthed this portal into the... Uh, the Upside Down, um, a Dr. Sam Owens, played by Paul Reiser, the little Weasley arsehole from Aliens. Yeah. Um, you think he's going to be the bad guy, and this might be slight spoilers, but he isn't. No, he's kind of like, in terms of the shadowy organisation that you've mentioned, sort of the good guy of them? Because he's still very much like, we need to keep this shit under wraps. But, again, the, he gets extended scenes with Hopper, and he gets extended scenes with Bob. And he's actually a really enjoyable character. I really enjoyed him. You do keep thinking there's a heel turn coming. You do. It, it, it was always keeping you on edge. You're like, any Look. second now, he's going to pull a gun or he's going to have some gloop in a box and he's going to throw the gloop and the gloop's going to do stuff. But he doesn't do that. Occasionally, like, he toes the line between company man, which is when he seems like he's going to be evil. But at the end of the day, he's just doing his job. He doesn't hurt anybody necessarily. Uh, and he comes good in a multitude of ways near the end. So... A nice arc from him. Yeah. Let's talk about him. My favourite character. Got to him. Yes, yeah. your favourite character. Everyone's favourite character. character. Responsible Steve! Steve, world's greatest mother. Oh, God, he's so responsible <laughs> and so good <laughs> and so wonderful and has the best hair. It's so impossibly feathered. <laughs> it's fucking glorious. Have you seen the, the comic of he protect, he attack, but most importantly, he give constructive feedback. <laughs> That's responsible, Steve. His scenes with Dustin are just the best in this show. Oh, I love everything about Steve in this show. Yeah. Everything about him. He's him being great. a little bit stupid, but while still being brave. I keep and- I keep having to tell my girlfriend that, because um, at the minute she's watching season one and Steve is still a dick. Yeah. And I have to tell her, like, don't worry, the fucking, the turn's coming. The redemption of Steve Harrington. Redemption Steve! <laughs> oh, it's so good. I fucking love Steve. You do have it, right? <laughs> the bat. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, everything about me is... Uh, and he help, I think he helps when, when the storyline starts to get a bit generic. Like when they're, they're going down into the, the tunnels underneath um, Hawkins near the end. I think if it wasn't for Steve, it'd be a bit like, right, this is too much like the Goonies. This is too much like X, Y, and Z. Yeah. He, he's really the X factor here, more than he ever was in season one. You could tell. I think they would have had he not been such a good character and such a good actor. I think they would have wrote him out. I think he would have been an early death. Yeah. In this season, but now he's oh, he's so spectacular, and I could spend hours talking about him. And but most importantly, I can definitely see him as Booster Gold. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. You see why I cast him? He's going to be perfect. Now eleven. Right. Millie Bobby Brown. Yep. And we like her, and it's fine, and she does some good stuff with Hopper in this kind of new daddy daughter relationship they have going on that's very sweet in the end it's all great we have to talk about episode seven her subplot her subplot episode Mm. the kind of bottle episode away from everything else 
I was not a fan of this episode either. Oh, I don't think anyone was, to be fair. Michael, that's... This, it, oh. It's got some good scenes. Like, Has it, though? The, one where she, the bit where she moves the train's pretty rad. But that's really about it. So basically, they, they choose right before... Mild spoilers, by the way. Oh, yeah. Mild spoiler alert! Just before things really start to go to shit in, in Hawkins. Something bad is literally about to happen at the end of episode six. Oh my shit, we need to be here where the action is. They take an entire episode out to kind of fill you with what Eleven's been doing over the course of episode five and six, I think. And throughout the season, her goal was to find her mom and to reconnect with her and, and figure out if there's more like her and stuff like that. And it turns out there is. We meet number... Eight. Eight, number eight. Who she met previously in the facility we had kind of forgotten about. Number eight, sorry, being played by, I hope I don't murder this name, uh, Linnea Berthelson? Berthelson or something like that? Let's have a look, Michael. Uh, plays Carly uh, slash eight. I'll give you that. Really didn't like her. I'm not sure what was trying to be portrayed here. Yeah. Like, there was a lot going on, none of which I really understood. Yeah, you, you're introduced to a lot of a lot of things. Yeah. It's a lot of information to get in 30 seconds. Considering that the previous episode, the previous 11-centric episode in this series, is very deep and meaningful yes. about Eleven's mother. And then it's also like, and then there was this tenuous link that takes us to Chicago. I'm like, okay, fine. Yep. I don't get it, but fine. No. And we start rolling around with the fucking punk version of the Scooby-Doo gang. Yeah, oh, God. oh, Christ. Complete with their own fucking mystery machine. Um, that, that. I mean, when that... Because that, that was the opener for this series. And I was like, okay, we're, pre- we're clearly going to come back to this. Yeah. I'd rather we didn't. No. Because Hawkins is already interesting enough. We don't need to do the whole globe trotting to find more paranormal kids thing. But I don't even think that's a bad idea in and of itself. Because I think that opens it up for more longevity for the series. If we introduce that there's more than just Eleven running around, it's not like a Weapon X situation where, you know, they only create a new one when the old one dies or whatever. It's interesting. I just think it was executed in the worst fucking possible way. Mm. Because it's so... Not in keeping with the rest of this series, this episode. And I won't go through everything in it, but again, the basic premise is Eleven meets up with her sister. They refer to her as much in this, but they're not actually sisters. Um, And her roving gang of punk, anti-establishment, anti-whatever-the-company's-called-that's-doing-this-to-the-psychic-people, band of lovable-but-not-lovable-thieves. If that sounds convoluted, it's because it is. Yeah, it makes definitely. little to no sense. Basically, they're just a load of woke punk people running around Chicago, killing whoever the hell the psychic well, psychic lady tells them to kill. Yeah. And it's really bad. It makes no sense. It leaves no lasting impression, really. And it is just a distraction. Yeah, I kind of want to actually name and shame uh, the worst one who I think is the... The punk dude? Yeah, the punk dude. And I, I'm getting a feeling that it's played by an actor called Kai L. Green. I think he, Was he the one with the stupid name? Was he the one who was called Funshine? Is that, is that him? The Mohawk guy? Yeah. Oh, oh that sounds about right. He, oh, wait, no, that's not him. That's not him. Uh, okay. I, either I'll way. fill for time until Michael figures it out. No, you know, the, the dude with the... I'm sure that must be Axel then. So, James Landry Hebert. Hebert? Yeah, Hebert. Oh. Yeah. No, just no... Just just kind of atrocious in every scene he's in. and You know what? I would be half tempted to say, if you 
in retrospect, if you could watch season three and beyond now and see how much of a, an actual factor this episode is on the future, if it isn't one, for future rewatchings, you can just skip this episode entirely. You learn nothing new other than Elle can now amplify her powers. Yes. That's it. You can f- you, you're just... All that happens is Elle will turn up in the, in the next episode with a different look than yeah. what had previously been supported. That looks really bad, by the way. I didn't like her punk goth stage. I thought it looked quite stupid. I mean, I didn't have anything against that, and I didn't have anything against her saying bitching. I thought that was pretty cutie. But, like, the rest of that episode is just atrocious. Horrendous. Like, the whole, like, running away from gunfire thing. I'm like, this is not what Stranger Things is about. I get it, and like you say, it's a good idea to have this world building to set up. We yeah. don't know how many kids there are going to be. No. Is the Because they've got renewed for a third season. The Duffer Brothers have said they want Shock. to do five. So, right, okay. So, uh, by five seasons, how many paranormal kids are yeah. going to be running around? I don't want I this to set a precedent. don't know if this has five seasons left in it. Well, so well three seasons left in it. Oh, apologies. Um, I'm liking people cutting short their series, though. This mm. is smart doing. After Breaking Bad showed that you can have five seasons and still be fondly remembered as one of the best. It's good. Maybe Arrow should have latched onto this. <laughs> Jesus fuck, because you can tell they ran out of ideas after season fucking three. Good God. Um, back on point. Yeah, that aside, and again, this is why it doesn't quite get to the levels of season one, because there was not a bad episode in that first season. Nope. There's this one, and there's a few other episodes where you like, again, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle because of how you just watch these things in a binge fashion. Um, that had it been more week to week, I think we would have been harsher on. Yeah. Because we probably wouldn't have just come from or head into a better episode. I think on the whole, though, still, it's up there for, for the best TV of this year. Yeah, it's definitely a contender. It's not got as mysteries as good as the first season, but it's got good mysteries. It hasn't got maybe the same amount of iconic scenes as the first season, but it's got iconic scenes. Yeah. Um, and, and there's very little not to... Other than like I said, that episode 7 is truly... A blemish on it, but other than that, there's not really much more for me to say other than go give it a watch. Yeah, obviously, it's still going to be worth watching, and one bad episode does not make a bad series no. because, I mean, what they've done is also added one more episode because it's nine episodes rather than eight. So, yeah, you could just not watch episode seven, and you've essentially got a mirror image of the first season. That's just got slightly less mystery and more of a supernatural horror element to it, I guess. It's still good. It's still really good. It's still, like you say, a contender for best of the year, better than most things available. Yeah. It's still, it's better than most things available on Netflix, which is already yeah. sort of like a curated thing of really, really good original shows. And even then, I still think it kicks the shit out of most of them. Yeah. The acting is better. The kids yes. have been consistently fantastic. Um, Steve and Hopper are still standouts. Mm. The new characters, apart from Stupid Punk Gang, work. Yeah, they all work. Seamless. Yeah, it's all like they it's like they just incorporated all these people that yeah, of course, like Joyce will has now got renewed confidence that so she'd be looking for a new yeah. partner. Like, of course that would happen. Yeah. So it made a lot more sense. And I think and I think we'll come to this more in the spoilers, but I think some of the um CG and uh artistic design I think is definitely more interesting from from last year, but I don't know whether it's truly better because I did appreciate the the it style mystery as yeah. opposed to 
And now we're going to have a scene with tons of these things. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Uh, I also think, about spoiling it, I don't think the hook for the next season is as strong as it was at the end of season one. Nope. Like, the end of season one where you see him flash into yeah. the upside down and flash back out, you're like, oh, that's going to be good. This is just kind of like, the the upside down still there, guys. It's still there. Yeah. It still exists. See you in don't a year. Don't forget about it. Yeah. Sting. Um, <laughs> see you in a year. That's, it's two years. Two? Apparently it's 2019. Oh. So it means we got no Game of Thrones next year. No, no fucking Stranger Things. <laughs> oh, God. We've oh. got Jessica Jones season two. Yay. <laughs> oh, God, you know what they quietly announced today as well? What? Iron Fist season two. Why? Why is that a no thing? No one wants that. Literally nobody wants that. Throw him in with Luke Cage. We all know it's what they need. Just do Heroes for Hire. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Christ, no. Um. <sighs> ah, well, someone will be back next year. What what's good, Michael? I mean, there's, uh, there's talks of that Star Wars TV show. Let's hope that that comes. To oh fruition. yeah, the Disney stra- the streaming service. Yeah, which we will get just because they have a Star Wars TV show. Pretty much. Oh god, good enough for me. Oh that no. Uh, right, talking about Star Wars is for a different podcast, and we won't do it here. No. Spoiler alert! Uh, oh Bob! Bob! Oh god, Bob! He goes down in a spectacular fashion, though. But does he? He deserved better. Like, have you seen, again, have you seen that meme of, like, people who deserve better? And it's, like, the chef from, like, yeah. the first episode, Bob. Um, oh, God, Bob. who did it to? Bob and... Uh, I forgot the fourth one. But somebody who dies. Is someone who dies. Uh, was it the cat? Yes, it was the it was cat. The, yeah, was oh, yeah, the cat. cat. <laughs> forgot it. That episode is really good as well, where, well, where yeah. Justin's... Yeah, because we didn't talk about Dart, which I think is a... No, I think he's a bit spoilery to talk about, which is why we're leaving him till here. Yeah, um, so so Dustin essentially finds a, a larval state demogorgon yeah. from, from the Upside Down and keeps it as a pet. And it's and when it starts off, it's this little thing, like the size of a tadpole. Yeah. And he mothers it and looks after it. And then it grows up and eats the cat, yeah. which is a great reveal. Like It is. Uh, it's unfortunate that the cat went out, but, you know. It, we weren't attached to the cat as a character, but it's still hey, gruesome speak as for shit. yourself. Um, <laughs> it is. Again, in retrospect, you kind of realise things. It's so similar to Aliens. Not only yeah. is there a guy from Aliens in it, they've gone from <laughs> having one isolated creature in the first one wreaking all the havoc to just having lots of them in the sequel and then a big one as, like, your big main thing you got to go and fight. Okay, so... So the Mind Flayer. Let's talk about that very quickly. Yeah. Not a great name, sorry, but... Well, well it's all... They're I literally know, naming their things from D&D. But I thought it was going to be the Thessal Hydra. That's what was teased at the end of is that, season one. Is that one. what it's supposed to be? The Thessal well, Hydra? Well, they had the Thessal Hydra. On, we only replay the game and yeah, they put that yeah, down. Yeah. But anyway. Um, it was a cool looking thing, but because, again, it doesn't speak... Well, it does... Really, doesn't it? Okay, just speak. We're in spoilers now, so we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, oh, he does speak, doesn't he? Yeah. So for the first time, we get possession. Yeah, as one of the things that can happen Which in the upside cool. down. That's what really made Noah Schnapp's performance yeah. really fucking good this year because he's essentially is embodied by the Mind Flayer. And when they cut it off from the world, and when they put it in an isolated room, and it goes mental. Yeah, at everyone. That bit fucking rocks. Mm-hmm. I was really, really impressed with it those was. scenes. But. I think it just, it doesn't, again, it kind of lacks the instant iconic look of the Demigorgon from season one. True. Which was, again, it didn't speak, we didn't know what it was trying to do, but we didn't need to know, it was just a monster. Whereas this one, because it seems to have more of a plan, 
I would like that more elaborated. Now, again, it has been a month since I've seen this show. Maybe it gives away more than I can remember. But, no, it, it didn't really hit the heights of the first one in terms of the monster. Because the little demigorgon, the demodogs... Yeah. They're fine. They're fine, but again, it's the same thing with aliens. If there's just that much more of them and they're still able to take care of them to some extent, it lessens their impact. I think that's actually one of the uh, mysteries that this series actually kept under wraps pretty well, is that we don't know why the Mind Flayer is sentient. We don't know. We don't know if he's the only one. We don't know if he's the big bollocks big daddy. He might not be. That might be the interesting thing, that there might be these creatures in the upside down that vie for control essentially yeah. or try to expand maybe they are working together maybe the demodogs are like soldiers we, yeah we still don't know that no. but they have they have elected to stay with the monster aesthetic yes and we think he's coming back for season three based on the final shot of him hovering above the school dance um i, I would i would prefer better creature design his possession scene is cool yeah but he's such a big, lumbering, backshot kind of dude. And we're on a TV budget here, so it's not going to be like Kong, where we get to see him up close and personal a lot. I, I was hoping for something a bit better, but that's just me. Um, what we were crying about before? Bob. Yeah, Bob kind of went out like a hero, but then to save the kind of snap scare, they had him just taken out from nowhere by a demodog. Yeah. After he just had his heroic moment. But he did something good on the way out, so that's cool. Um, what else is there to spoil? The end, the end scene. Oh, oh, god! They, do I love that fucking scene? They fucking they blue ball. Um, you get getting your Mike and L scene for forever, and when they do, it's kind of it, it is beautiful, and you finally get the the, the winter ball scene is perfect. It's just absolutely yep. perfect. Yeah, I love it. Dustin still proving he's he's possibly the best of the the child actors. Turning up as many Steve. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, Steve giving him a lift and giving him like the oh, pep talk, giving him the little hairspray. Yeah. Well. Oh, it's beautiful. It's oh, absolutely and then beautiful. No one wants to dance with him, oh. but then he gets to pull Nancy, the fucking fit one. Well done, lad. <laughs> um, someone wants to dance with Will, not Will, no Will. Yeah, and it was like, oh, and then Dustin and Mac, not Dustin, um, uh, Lucas Luke, and what Max. What did him Lucas and Max is the thing, but then you see L walking. Yeah. And like, oh, and do you see? Did you see any of the Easter egg breakdowns? The uh, the which one? Any any Easter egg breakdown? Uh, no, I watched or, um, Beyond Stranger Things. You so. know that Hopper had a little blue bracelet on his wrist for that his daughter gave him before she died. Yeah. And he keeps doing it at all times. Yeah. Did you notice that he's now L that has it on? Really? Last, yeah, L's wearing it, and he wasn't wearing it in the diner scene with the scientist dude. No way. Um, and she's now, um, what's her real name? Jane. Um, Jane, yeah, she's now Jane Hopper. Yes. She's officially That's adopted. Cool. That she's scene was awesome. She's starting school, and she's got her boyfriend, and it's all great. And, and to sting as well. And then Hopper and Joyce, looking like they're hooking mm-hmm. up. So that'll be interesting going into season three. Because a lot of shipping. You're going to have the world's most dysfunctional family in Joyce, Hopper, Elle and Will. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be It's gonna be like full house, except it's full of demons. <laughs> I'm okay with this. <laughs> that hadn't occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want, I want it to have the aesthetic of full house with all the cheery music, but then like it opens up. Duh, 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 and then it's just Will just like writhing on the ceiling. It goes, ah! So I was thinking the one where it's all their face in the little boxing. <laughs> There's a demi-dog. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Commission it. Get the Duffer Brothers on the phone. <laughs> oh, but that end scene's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I watched perfect. it like four times after watching the series because I just like, oh, it's just so nice. I didn't think I wanted. It's such very a, neat. Yeah, it's a positive, happy ending. But it's so nice. Yeah, and I liked it very much. And Mike and Ella are adorable. They are just really adorable. I think I'm done. <laughs> just generally I think that's again I did watch this a month ago so my memory is not as as sharp as it should be um, but I can't think of anything else I need to praise nor throw under the bus other than to reiterate how shit se- season episode fucking seven is yeah comes this close to tanking the whole goddamn thing especially but... with eight's power of the mind manipulation which is a cool concept but then used really badly yeah yeah oh god just sack it all off I hope the Duffer Brothers go yeah no one cared for that shit <laughs> they're just gonna tuck that in the bin <laughs> the first episode is just every every other paranormal kid apart from Elle getting gunned down mercilessly so you know some gunman just turns to the camera and goes we left no stone unturned meanwhile in Hawkins there's a time for love and a time for this. Do you think the higher Russes screenwriters at some point with all these fantastic pitches we're giving them? I mean, I hope so. I mean, if you I'm... want to hear more fantastic pitches, you can, of course, listen to Pitch Intense, our movie pitching podcast over on com. Now, let's say they'd missed that, Michael. How would they not have missed that through social media? Yes, which, of course, you can go and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Foul Entertainment. Uh, it was also on SoundCloud and Minds and a bunch of other stuff. We were on Noya You May Doing Toy Literature, but the site got shut down. That's always nice. Oh. Yeah, they literally, I think they got hacked, and then they got hacked so bad, they had to shut down. Oh. So, Toy Literature, kind of on an indefinite hiatus. Sorry. Darren? Uh, you find me on Twitter at The Cuttridge. Uh, we're going to be recording our Justice League podcast next gonna be interesting buckle the fuck up um, <laughs> and um we're hopefully gonna get punisher done as well i'm on episode 10 michael i'm episode three can you tell he's got a girlfriend now um <laughs> we've got that to watch and then he's jedi yeah what's left well you're gonna watch the disaster artist i am looking forward to the disaster artist are you gonna watch this I don't think I like the room enough to give it a go. Uh, fair like enough. I watched the room and wasn't like, oh, that's so bad, it's good. I was like, I just never need to see. No. <laughs> There's ways in which I enjoy it, such as Tommy Wiseau in Star Wars, which is a beautiful fucking video. But <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I can leave it alone. So I, unless it's really good reviews, which it has got so far, to be fair. Yeah, it, it's touted to be an Oscar winner. Who knew? Well, an Oscar what? nom at least. Oh right, okay. It's touted. Um, I think if I'm going to watch any other movie other than Star Wars this year, it might actually be Jumanji. Yeah, that's been getting surprisingly positive reviews. That's what I'm saying. Like, what? But there was warning signs for me because it came out on a preview. It's on preview this weekend. Mm. And that's usually a bad sign because it means they're trying to get money in the bag before reviews come out. Because obviously the embargo won't move because it's a preview. That'll still be for the official release date, which is uh, the other side of Star Wars. Mm. Um, so that's a bit of a warning light going off but uh, yeah I've heard nothing but good buzz and I will follow The Rock anywhere yep. did you see Rampage oh the trailer yeah. yeah that looks fun actually it does any other actor I'm like oh this is going to be stupid but no The Rock's in it I might even watch a Black Adam movie uh, if Oops. that ever ever happens let's fucking hope not <laughs> bye everybody <laughs> bye <laughs>